Welcome back to Trending in Education. Dan Stratford, Michael Palmer, Brandon Jones along with you on this week. We're talking robots. I want to check in with Brandon. You good? Brandon, you ready? I'm amazing. I love robots. Uh, I heart bots. Uh, I, I like... I have sort of trending in education uh, fan fiction where all that I write myself where all we do is talk about robots and it's finally coming true again. So yeah, yeah. I am great. Mm. And uh, Mike, robots were part of our March Madness. Didn't make a, a significant run, but I knew it would be something we came back to. We saw them at South by Southwest EDU, the, the Love It robot, which we talked about a couple of times yes. Uh, yes. during our time there. Are you excited to dive back into the robot world? I'm absolutely excited, and uh, and I think the the thing that's interesting here is that uh, we have an opportunity to get social emotional baby about our. Uh, I didn't over sing that because it's early in the show. I don't I don't want to scare people <laughs> off, but um, but it's cool that you know what I found surprising about many of the articles that we shared is that rather than thinking of robots as purely cognitive. Um, and like mechanical replacements to uh, to like manufacturing jobs and uh, RIP sort of, to RoboCon. Yeah, exactly. Um, is that there's an emerging uh, movement to sort of have a have robots fill therapeutic and emotional needs, right. uh, which was the the Lovebot that we saw at South by Southwest. EU does that? Um, I'd like to start by maybe talking a little bit about Woody. Uh, Please, Woody was a pretty interesting robot uh, who uh, who was beginning to uh, sense human emotions, and uh, I think that opens up a lot of uh, a lot of opportunities to design uh, human computer human robot interactions in new ways. When you realize um, robots uh, can perform therapeutic functions, but they also can respond to our how we're presenting ourselves emotionally uh, that's that's really interesting and that's something i don't think we've dug too deeply into in previous shows because when we have to keep coming back to the robot well we want to be able to to you know explore different uh different aspects of it so i don't know i don't know if we've really gone that deep on this particular angle uh, plus, there's some other uh, some other angles uh, around robots in the classroom and teaching robotics. I think let's stick with Woody for a second. Please. I, so I like Woody. So uh, Mike, since you introduced Woody to us, just you want to say an, uh, just another sentence about who this this uh, Woody friend is? Well, first off, I think that's a picture of Woody in in this article that we'll share out. Right. And it looks like Woody is he made of wood. Partially, he looks like he's made of wood, and I think he you know he has an anthropomorphic head with like bear like ears. Right. right. Is that a mustache? And then That's a mustache. a mustache. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, that just feels random. Like that feels random. And I, I don't know, maybe that helps him pick up our emotions because we're all looking funny at him because he has a mustache <laughs> and we're like, he's always like, you're confused. And it's like, Oh, Woody, you're nailed it That's again. Right. Woody has identified one human emotion, <laughs> which is confused confusion. about his mustache. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's happened in all 10,000 use cases. Right. Do you think he gives his mustache like a, like a mischievous twitch, like in response <laughs> to, uh, I think there's a mustache it's twitch. It's got to move side to side. Yeah. I, I don't think you put a mustache on a robot. Unless, mustache. Unless it can. Yes. You intend yes. this to go side to side wow look that's what you right. did there there you go yeah, well job well so done this is from case western reserve yeah. uh this is where woody and woody clearly as a robot isn't all wood but it looks like his like chassis is wood yes. like that yes. that's what i took from this picture yes um, but it was interesting they they were talking about the um ability to identify human uh, emotions but also the real-timeness of that yep so um 
the the time that they were citing these researchers work, working with Woody at um, Case were saying that um, we can get he can identify the right or it Woody. Uh, I think it looks like a man. I think they, yeah, they, they. I think that's he, he his would preferred take, pronouns are he. Yes, yeah. yes. So, um, Woody can identify human emotions correctly ninety eight percent of the time and instantly. Mm-hmm. And the, the previous benchmark they're down from is three seconds. Right. Three seconds do- doesn't sound like a long time, like geologically speaking. But right. when you're talking about real time response to human emotion, three seconds is a long time. Yeah. So like it can be the sort of. Um, Uncanny Valley is not the right terminology here, but like the the verisimilitude of a robot experience to a human one, that time immediacy of it is is maybe the most important thing. Yeah, uh, or certainly among the more important things. So I thought that was I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it it made me think about poker right away because uh, sure. I was thinking, you know, uh, AI has already beaten us at chess. They finally knocked us out at Go. Uh, the robots won at uh, Jeopardy years ago. Watson uh, did that. Next thing you know, Woody's going to be showing up at the the World Series of Poker. And uh, I just wonder if you could confuse him. Like, I don't know if they, I didn't see that in the article, but I do wonder if you could intentionally try to mislead. And if uh, it's interesting. If that's, uh, are they gameable? Well, you know, because like I think frequently the context is more authentic. Right. But if it was almost like a, like a reverse Turing test where you're trying to fool the machine, yeah, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I think that'd be interesting because maybe, maybe you could bluff Woody out of uh, the finals of the, the World Series of Poker. Yeah, it's gonna, it'd be interesting to see how, how, how easily Woody could pick up on a tell, right? Like if, you're, mm-hmm. if Woody detects the presence of multiple emotions being conveyed in the same facial experience, like Mm -hmm. the same facial expression, um, that might be indicative of more of like a higher incidence of bluffing. Right. Right. So, um, and I would, I would actually bet that Woody (laughs) would be better than humans over time mm-hmm. at being able to identify bluffing. I think that like is a really interesting um, test. I Al- like that. Although I wonder if you could fake bluff them then too, though, because could you pick up? Could you like do the tell? I'm touching my nose. You know, you know. Hey, Woody, have you noticed that I'm touching my nose? Right. And then Woody goes, "Oh, computer is calculating <laughs> that you may be misleading me." And then he's like, "I will call you." you but know? this is like I put poison in all the cups. Like there's like this is a little bit you know uh, land war in Asia. <laughs> Um, well done. But I think, I think it's, it's interesting just as a, a moment uh, note on while we're still on Woody, because I do want to go on to that other article yeah, too, or sure. one of the other articles yep. um, about uh, robots in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's machine learning and deep learning. The, the way that they are able to do this real time is that they were, um, they combined, I'm just reading this directly from the, the uh, page here, so it sound like I know what I'm talking about. Uh, they combine two pre-processing video filters to another pair of programs. So, you know, it, it's um, the sort of combined outputs of a number of different uh, machine learning driven uh, inputs, mm-hmm. I think is, is really interesting. And that, mm-hmm. that portends, um, you know, I, I think really interesting developments in, in robotics and in the robot human interaction yep. uh, to come. Yep. And, and you do like, 
the the human computer interaction that you know which robot computer i guess is it, or, no, no human human robot <laughs> don't forget us already the, the robot computer interaction is also quite interesting because <laughs> the interesting thing is what do you do with this type of robot once you have it because uh because the human computer interaction uh is is useful but in what kinds of contexts so like where does it make sense for ai and a robot to be able to read the human uh, emotion of uh, the person that it's interacting with. Uh, you know, I mentioned poker, but, uh, but what other context, you know, so like I imagine service robots or therapeutic robots, uh, you know, they mentioned uh, picking up on the autism spectrum, picking up on early onset right. of uh, dementia. Um, that stuff, that stuff is pretty interesting. So like, even though the example is somewhat comical when you, when you look at Woody, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to twitch my mustache his, here. And his, uh, his his fake mustache. Uh, well, I guess it, maybe it's real. I don't know. But um, <laughs> but you know, there are real uh, use cases that are less nefarious than a lot of the robot overlord stuff that we tend to gravitate towards, around like identifying when people might need help sooner than sort of a a, a human agent could. And sure. uh, that to me is really exciting because I think it's easy to fall prey to the the dystopian scenarios around robots. Like there's a lot of really exciting stuff in this article uh, yeah. and, and just thematically around therapeutic robots. I, I thought so too. And I, I think uh, a version of a type of robot, just building on what you're saying, Mike, that could benefit from this kind of technology is uh, our, our educational robots. Yes. So yes. Uh, just one more note before we go to, the, to that article, the um, it's talking about the, the human uh, expressions divided into seven emotions. Those seven emotions, neutral, happiness, anger, sadness, levelist, disgust, surprise, and fear. Mm -hmm. And there's two things that are interesting about that to me. One is that it's, um, it's pan-cultural. Yep. So you, know, you can have robots that, if they're perceptive on, on this front, could uh, bridge a language barrier that could exist. Like you don't necessarily need to program robots only or always to be fluent in every language, mm -hmm. sort of natural language processing. You can actually pick up a lot of that like pan-culturally um, through just expressiveness, which, yep. I think is, which I think is interesting. Mm -hmm. But then all of those emotions, I think those are presence, present in learners at times too. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I thought that was, was interesting in one of the art, other articles, which we'll, we'll share out, um, was how... Um, this was in the Science News uh, article. Um, so they talk about a lot of educational robots, but uh, some of them uh, were one test. They gave half the children uh, a robot that made growth mindset comments, like, you're not afraid of a challenge. I like that. Mm -hmm. And the other were given a robot that only said, you know, it was sort of functional. You solve the puzzle. Um, I think that building on that, like uh, a robot that could, could identify real time whether you were engaged or uh, nervous or, um, you know, whatever, could provide real-time uh, social-emotional sort of um, crutch, cr yep. crutches to bring you back into the, to be engaged with the learning material. Yep. I think that the, the possibilities of that are really interesting. Mm -hmm. As you go through there, Mike, and, and figure out the classroom implications of the social emotional robots and as you take the maybe the woody robot or something of the similar process 
do you see it as net positive as you know all things you, you were talking before we can get nefarious here we can talk about the dystopian aspect of robots in the classroom but it seems like these all are pointing in that positive vein that that there are positive implications for these things do you see it that way and do you see next steps for implementing and using these more positively in the classroom yeah i think so i mean i, I feel like the the more uh, pessimistic cynical dystopian scenarios around robots they may come true, but I feel like they're, we're a pretty long way off. So like the majority of these contexts are really uh, human powered and then augmented by robots and uh, whether the human is, uh, is alone. Um, but in most of these contexts, particularly in a classroom, it's not like you're replacing the teacher with the robot. It's more that the teacher has additional tools in her classroom that include robots and the tools are getting better. So like, um, in some ways, it's almost like the, the word robot brings, uh, for many of us, not Brandon, but for many of us, brings uh, some negative connotations and like some uh, sci-fi pre-associations that make us more distrustful and skeptical about using that intervention, where if it was just called something else uh, more, uh, more novel and fresh, uh, I don't even, I'm not even going to make it up. Um, I think that might be more... Um, easy for people to accept. And then I think the related thing is the uh, anthrop anthropomorphic nature of the robot uh, almost leads to the, the fear that they're being designed to replace us. So I think that's where the uncanny valley can actually help in the classroom too. Also with therapeutic robots, you know, like frequently they don't look like humans uh, and that's intentional and frequently they look like, like, you know, like a, a, a comfortable toy that, you know, is non-threatening and is actually designed to uh, to be supportive. And and um, I think once you sort of ex extend a little bit beyond the the kind of iRobot uh, sort of trope and you dig a little further into new tools that kind of can enhance learning in a classroom, yep. um, I think there's a big upside here. And, uh, and uh, like Brandon, uh, I'm supportive of this. Well, yeah, I think the the anthropomorphized piece is really interesting. Uh, that was one of the other takeaways from from for me from this article, um, and then linked to I guess a Science Direct uh, article um, with an abstract of a, a piece of research that talked about how adults and children, um, and this is a, a sort of a pan survey of 33 different surveys. Adults and children respond more favorably generally to a physical robot than to a digitized robot. Mm -hmm. And even, I thought this is interesting, even when that same physical robot is digitized with that avatar. So right. like imagine the, the Lovat, um, the physical actual robot that is responding. Like if you took that same, you know, uh, robot and put it on a screen, yep. it still wouldn't, you still would not respond as well to that or the, the, the adults and children in these surveys still did not respond as well to that. And that responding as well and making air quotes is measured in terms of performance and retention and a lot of different measures. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that's interesting. And, and the idea that, you know, we talked about robots, you talked about robots talking to computers. Ro robots and computers are, are pretty similar, but for um, sort of how they interact with the physical world around them. Yep. And so, you know, computers have been in classrooms for a long time. But the idea that robots could bring that learning to children, particularly in ways that are new and accessible and different and emotional, mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, agreed. And also like the physicality of the relationship is more what we're wired for too. So like we've talked a lot about screenlessness and the problem of sort of that interface. You know, if the interface changes to look more like a doll or a toy, um, like that's more likely to be something that, um, that a child will gravitate towards rather than something that feels sort of cold and flat and digital. Um, I think that's a, that's really, uh, it's an interesting thing. And also the tactile, like we've talked about it a bunch, like the trend back towards like physically connecting, like being in the same physical location as others, something we talked to Rohit about a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think robots are interesting in that respect because in, in a way they really are, you know, they are a computer uh, or each one is a computer. Um, maybe they all are one. Yeah, computer. it's a board. But, uh, but, uh, but each one is a computer, but the fact that they have like a physicality to them and that we can actually uh, engage with them in a tactile way um, and, it, and also in a um, uh, almost like nonverbal communication, yep. uh, I think is a really interesting idea. I found, I think it was CES last year that the Aflac, yeah. uh, the robot that was in yep. the hospitals and was dealing along these similar lines and I find that also an intriguing thing to understand better and me do more reading on is the difference between uh, humanoid looking and animal robots. Like how do people interact with a robot dog or a robot cat or even a lovat or something that's more representative of a pet rather than representative of your best friend? And how do people emotionally react there um, with the same sort of uh, reference points that maybe Woody has as you know, with the mustache and everything, but as a dog and can sense, oh, this person needs cuddling. This person needs me to go away. This person needs me to do those things. I think it's a really interesting uh, reference point moving forward and how people react with those uh, as uh, therapy robots rather than therapy yeah. animals. No, I, I mean, that's huge. The Aflac duck, I think, was, uh, was really interesting at CES last year. And like that was part of what made me dig into the the summary of the mental floss article where they were talking about different uh, therapeutic robots that are out there. And interestingly, a lot of them are, um, are coming into the marketplace because it's tough to find, to find and train that many service animals like therapeutic, you know, like dogs sure. and other pets uh, have been found to have a lot of really therapeutic uh, value, particularly for the aging. Uh, and then also for, uh, for kids, you know, when they're in like an ICU, so, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I find that that, that sort of gets back to the, I'm going to sing it a little more, social emotional baby, you know, like it, it's a little more, uh, uh, I think it's a surprising way to think about robots. And we talk about the importance of social emotional learning in the classroom. It is interesting to think about how teachers need additional tools to help their students learn social emotional uh components to their to their their lives and uh and actually having access to things like therapeutic uh robots i think is really interesting and then you pair that with the ability to um you know in in more of a clinical setting to like identify um symptoms uh, early onset of things that may need to be corrected for um it's kind of a I, th- I think it's a pretty positive uh, direction for robotics to take. Uh, so, so yeah, love this stuff. Brandon, I, I want to uh, be respectful of your love of the robot and the robots. Uh, do you have any final uh, words here as we close out this episode of Training and Education? 
I'm, I mean, I couldn't be more excited. I'm trying to be more excited and it's just, it's impossible. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that, uh, although I, I do think it's probable that the way to get to the robot overlords is through like the lovable, helpful robot 100%. phase. Yep. <laughs> um, so I've recognized the, the eventuality that yeah. I'm, uh, maybe bringing about as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, there's, uh, there are places where, you know, there are um, humans who can use assistance in some way or another. And that could be learning, that could be tourists in airport, that could be someone with a disability where robots can provide more reliable and um, with minimal upkeep, uh, um, persistent support than another human or an animal could. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think uh, in a world where we respond well to them, where they are and where like Woody responds well to us, like, I think that's, that's really exciting. And, and I am genuinely optimistic about how we can get those robots facilitating more of the things that we as humans uniquely enjoy doing Mm -hmm. um, than, uh, than not. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. More to come on robots as the year goes on here on Trending and Education. Thanks so much for listening. As always, share us with a friend. Share us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Trending and Ed. Same over there on Facebook, TrendingAndEducation.com. We're back every Tuesday morning. Also, extras coming your way. Game of Thrones is back. You'll hear the Citadel. You'll hear so much coming from us here in April and the months in the future. And special thanks to everyone who does listen. March, our most downloaded month uh, in our history. So thank you for that as we look back and really uh, celebrate uh, everyone who listens to us. We appreciate each and every one of you. Till next time, you've been listening to Trending in Education.